Welcome to the Amazing Truth Podcast, a podcast where we focus on real issues and have real talk, and as always, provide a biblical perspective. We hope that you will be blessed as you listen. Hello and welcome back to the Amazing Truth Podcast. This is the Amazing Truth Minute. This is the Amazing Truth Podcast. Real issues, real conversation. Our Amazing Truth Minute this morning, or this time for this episode, will focus on Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. And it reads, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through the God the Father through him. You know, there's an old saying that asks, if you don't have time to do it right, when will you have t- the time to do it over? No one respects a task that is half finished or poorly done. That is why the Bible calls for Christians to engage all things with excellence. In Paul's letter to the Colossians, he instructed the church to approach every task as if they were performing it for Jesus, to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. It means that our labors will be consistent with who Jesus is and what he wants. It doesn't matter if we are taking on a large project at work or scrabbling the floor at home. We should give our best and greatest effort and do the best job we can. Our best work shows we care and want to contribute something valuable rather than just getting by with the bare minimum. This is the Amazing Truth Podcast. The Amazing Truth Podcast. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Stitcher. Like us on Facebook at The Amazing Truth Podcast. The Amazing Truth Podcast. Real issues, real talk. All right, all right. There we have it. You know, do everything you can with all your might, with all your strength. You know, give your all, give your all. Welcome back, listeners. I almost said viewers, Kenan. Soon, soon, brother. Soon, Ezra will get views. You know, uh, <laughs> but but just wanted to say thank you so much um, for the feedback, for those who have been tuning in, for those who have been listening. Um, again, uh, we are back, rejuvenated, excited, and energetic. And today, Kenan, I want to minimize completely you and I talking. <laughs> yeah, like you say, it's never it's about it's never us. about us. Yeah. <laughs> We're just getting straight Let's into just it. get into it. Straight to it. Yeah. So as you. Had that's Kenan as usual. His yeah, voice is always and, there, and that, that's Ezra as usual. So Ezra, let's go on. All right, today <laughs> we have a special guest. You know, yeah. that Kenan, I've had a privilege to know our brother. You know, uh, just a, a man who oozes wisdom from his past. You know, his life and where he's been. And uh, you know, I remember just listened a snippet of his story, and I sat there marvelled as I listened to it. And uh, since then, we've I've, I've been sitting at his feet to see his journey where it has gone. And and that's the hope and the experience that I think, uh, I hope that our listeners today will have, right? Yep. Uh, Yeah, it's just the the stories that we share, someone shares. Exactly. And and as we said this this, this season, we're focusing on, you know, being intentional, being intentional on whatever we create out here, whatever we share that is going to happen. Now, Let's let's not do it about us. Let us bring in our guest today. He's gonna tell us our tell us his name, tell yeah. us where he's from, is from, and uh, uh, something interesting about him. So over to you, our guest. I don't want to say the name and k- take the, the, the punchline <laughs> from you. Let him take the shine. Exactly. All right. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. Um, yes, uh, you guys are start so good. I don't even want to say my name. Can I steal one of your names? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Um, I am Jude Sinatis. I'm a pastor of the nice. Seventh-day Adventist Church. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was born and raised in Haiti. Nice. Came here uh, to the United States when I was 16, but I've done a lot of back and forth because at a, at a young age, I became a celebrity. Mm, and wow. I started traveling and performing reggae music. Mm. And, and then from there on, my life completely changed not knowing it was gonna change you know even better oh, oh, nice, nice. Le, I know we say we're gonna get into it yeah, but let's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you're about to ask him what song you sang <laughs> <laughs> you know. but, but from what is just said I yes. mean that's a whole podcast that, so. listen <laughs> I don't I don't think we'll have 10 viewers you notice we took but, the but, shortest yeah. time to make it to the guest today but we, we, want to but but we are going to expound further on what yes, said. but yeah yes. so we want to welcome me especially Thank to you. the podcast and uh we are happy I and mean, we hope that we'll share something that will mean will be meaningful to someone and edify someone so yes. ezra yes take the first let's question. do it let's, let's do, do it, it. Let's, let's go do it. so jude you yes, you just in, 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 break it down you said you were born in haiti yeah and then you came here when you were 16. just walk us through that journey how was it tell me a little bit about who, who your family how you came to this country where you settled and how that experience was well i was born in haiti uh and i grew up with a stepdad okay. and then i find out that he was a voodoo priest wow uh, growing up and and uh, my mother was a catholic at that time mm -hmm. but it, it wasn't really a christian home because mm -hmm. i've seen a lot of witchcraft happening and but me um you know i wanted to to do music so while, while i was a kid i wrote my first song at 13 years old wow but at 16 when i was gonna be 16 actually i had turned 16 in january then uh, my mother at the time who you know she was living over here in the state mm -hmm. then and he feel far you know she filed for us and we came okay you know i came here at 16 years old but uh in haiti i i, I always wanted to to be famous, uh -huh. you know, um, and I, I wanted to be popular. Yes. So at 12 years old, I, I learned how to cut hair, and mm -hmm. I became really good. You <laughs> know, I was yeah. a nice barber. Uh -huh. So um, 12 years old, I had um, people in Haiti, you know, who are in the 20s or late 20s, even 30s, lining up in front of my house to get haircut. So mm -hmm. I felt like I, I was the man. I was the <laughs> man because and i have been protected by all these growing up so yeah. no one in the neighborhood can touch me yeah. you know mm -hmm. then and from there on and when i you know, turned 16 i came to the state and everything everything changed all right so uh jude i mean you said at 12 uh and this is uh, it resonated with other podcasts yes. at 12 you wanted to be famous and there yes. was a desire for you to get known mm -hmm. is that so I, I we can we can testify it's the same all over so now when you say voodoo walk walk us through that i know uh, what is that you know we we know voodoo from where we come from yeah, but this guy has read only about walk us through that and how big is it in haiti well it's it's extremely big in haiti um uh, for most most haitian that's that's their culture mm -hmm. you know you could say that's the haitian culture okay for most of them um and you you'll find some question as well but yeah. me i was raised with my with my stepdad he had a, a really good job at a hospital mm. but since you know within the voodoo sometimes you said you've been chosen by certain spirit to be mm -hmm. the the voodoo priest of the family. Yeah. So this is how my stepdad got got to be chosen by those spirit. Mm -hmm. So he had to do a lot of stuff and and go into the shrine and spent like weeks 
and uh, sleeping in all white before he can come out mm-hmm. with his something in his hand. I don't know how to translate that in the, in the US, <laughs> but it's, it looks like a little thing you, you shake with yeah. a bunch yeah. of bees mm-hmm. around it. Mm-hmm. And once they give you that, you actually, you know, been called a Ganga in mm-hmm. Haiti, which uh-huh. is a voodoo priest. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that was it. And because of that, every year he had certain festivity that he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And being, you know, a son in the house, yeah. so I, I take part of all these things because uh-huh. when he's doing it, everybody got to be there. He's uh-huh. the man of the house. Yeah. He said, we are going, and yeah. everybody just pack up and go. Uh-huh. So although we were living in the cities, uh-huh. but we'd done a lot of back and forth back in, in, in the countryside okay. whenever he got uh, those things going on. Is, is it passed down through family? Is it, is it generational? Yeah. Yes, it is generational, especially in the family that I, I was raised mm-hmm. because um, his grandfather had that, you know, they pass it on to his father. From what I've heard, uh, I heard that um, when his father died, his father had this cane, like mm-hmm. like a, a, a stake yeah. that he would carry with him wherever he goes mm-hmm. or wherever he went, actually. So when, when he died, mm-hmm. he had asked to put that cane into the coffin with okay. him. And then, then, uh, and then that's when everything happened, and they said the spirit chose, uh, which who is my stepdad, to be the the next man in, in line. This is this is Sounds familiar. I see where you're going with that. I see where you're going with that. Oh, oh man, I see where you're going with that. For another, and that's for another day. Anyhow, anyhow, man, that, that's that's very interesting. Yep. See, you know, uh, having these family rituals. And to be honest with you, we talk about rituals like this, but yeah. we talk about generational wounds right. that are also, right. also yep. handed down. You know, it can yeah. be good things, mm-hmm. it can be bad things, but mm-hmm. they're handed down within yeah. the family tree, the family. And I'm not yeah. saying that is bad. I know the spirits of voodoo come to me. So, but I'm just saying <laughs> that, you know. So at 12, you're in a phase and you're already defining who you want to become. You want to yeah. become popular. Mm-hmm. You want to become known. You want to be... So did, 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 I had you in the introduction say that you became. Walk us through that journey yeah. now. You you relocate. You, your mom files for you. You come to the US. How is that transition? And how many siblings? Did you all come as all siblings? How was that? Yeah, um, it was four of us. Um, it's seven children, but three died. I was a twin. Okay. My twin sister died oh. a few days after I was born. Mm-hmm. But um, we came, but we didn't come together. Because mm-hmm. at that time, my, one of my brother, my brothers was going to turn 21. And, and, you know, if yeah, you don't yeah. make it here by 21. Yeah. Um, so they got him first. Mm-hmm. Then I think four months after him, mm-hmm. I came. Mm-hmm. But when I came, uh, you know, uh, then that I was 16 by then. Yeah. So I came with the mentality that, you know, I wanted to be famous. I remember yeah. before I left Haiti, I told everyone in my neighborhood, the next time you see me, I'll be on TV and, mm-hmm. and I'll come in the neighborhood. I'll, I'll have people standing everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but when I came, everything changed though, because I, I I found myself in a neighborhood where I had you know I had to struggle. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, um, I was in a jungle, mm-hmm. in a jungle, you know, mm-hmm. uh, survival of the fittest. Uh-huh. So there was gangs everywhere, and then um, there was uh, this this place by my house. It's like a little hill, uh-huh. you know. For there's a store there, mm-hmm. and that's where everybody hanging out. Mm-hmm. All the gangs and and you know, mm-hmm. and mind you, I'm 16. I yeah. just came. I, mm-hmm. I I don't know the language, mm-hmm. but I have to go to the store and pointing out what I want. The mm-hmm. only word that I know was how much. Uh-huh. That's what my mom taught me. <laughs> how much? Yeah. And then um, 
But it was a struggle to get into that store because mm -hmm. I, where I was at, these guys they didn't really like Haitians, mm -hmm. and then um, especially when you're an immigrant, they mm -hmm. like to pick on you. Yeah. But um, at a young age, I, I was never really scared of anybody. Uh -huh. You know, I, I would stand before anyone. Mm -hmm. And then I said to myself, you know what? In order for me to have my peace of mind mm -hmm. in this neighborhood, I must become better than everyone else. Mm -hmm. So uh -huh. that was my goal. And I said, and that's how everything started. So, so, so did you, did you, you said you were in a bad neighborhood, <coughs> there were, you know, gangs. Did you join a gang? Did you, uh, you know, what, what does it mean to be baddest? For Kenan, being bad is calling me a bad one. What is bad <laughs> for you? <laughs> well, being bad was like, I didn't want to be in any gang because yeah. I would uh -huh. have to answer yeah. to someone. Yeah. Oh. So yeah. I, I, I told everyone, they approached me to be in a gang, but I said, I'm NFL, which at the time we would say, no show for life, you know? <laughs> so And they didn't like that. So because I said that and they wanted to show me or teach me a lesson mm -hmm. that I can't, I couldn't stand by my own. Uh -huh. So what I did... um. I, I got myself a gun mm. and I said, with my gun, you know, I can um, stand anyone, mm. you know? So that's what I did. I bought me a 380. It was nickel. I never forgot that it was like a kind of nickel and with a black hand, you know, handle mm -hmm. and very small. And I remember I used to carry that to school with me everywhere. I would, I would have gun on me 24 seven. I would be in school. I have guns on me. And then um, that's, that's what happened. I became mm. really, really a bad guy so you know? right, right yeah Jude, let's yeah closes i've seen a gun is in a police yes <laughs> <laughs> i will you you're something else, <laughs> a different case but then all the way from haiti to here you want to you there's a picture you want to put yeah you know let's go let's just process that a little bit yes there's a picture you want to put um was it where, where did that come from yeah that I don't want to call it a facade, but oh. it's just uh, there's a face, a front that you wanted people to see. Yeah. Where did that originate from? You mean the the celebrity the toughness? No, the, oh, toughness, the toughness, the the being the best. You know, the celebrity. You wanted to be the best, and you know, in everything. Where where did that originate from? Well, I would say back home because uh -huh. I I remember they said when you came to the state, um, people didn't like Haitians mm -hmm. and they would oh. pick on Haitians. Mm -hmm. So I came with the mindset that mm -hmm. I would never let anybody pick on mm -hmm. me. You know, I wasn't a guy that was fighting all the time, yeah. but I'm the guy when I fight, the whole town know about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, so, so there's a perception that's created before you yes. come. The perceptions yeah. when you relocate to that country, this is how it is. They don't like Asians, so you come already prepared. Yeah. And you decide you're going to do to be NFL. You know, neutral for neutral life. Neutral for yeah. life. All right. How did that work out for you? Mm. It was really good for me, but it. It brought a lot of attention my way because all all the gangs in the neighborhood wanted to to teach me a lesson. Okay, you know. But the thing is, I was very popular, so a lot of people liked me. Uh -huh. Not only I was bad, but I made sure I had the look. Okay, because at 16 years old, I had I had cornbread, and you know, I had braided hair, yeah. but my hair was white, so uh -huh. I I dyed it platinum white, uh -huh. and I had like four pair of earrings, like uh -huh. two big hoops and two small ones, and uh -huh. that's a guy who can't even really speak English that good, mm -hmm. but my look would scare you, mm -hmm. you know, so I had okay. the whole facet, I had the look, uh, yeah. and I had myself a gun, mm -hmm. and I and I was ready for whoever, so I remember there was one time these guys came before my house, uh -huh. like they come right in front of my house uh -huh. trying to intimidate me, uh -huh. and telling me, you know, I think I'm better than anybody, and they wanted to fight me, and uh -huh. my older brother was there, he couldn't do nothing really because there was there there, there was a lot of them. Uh -huh. So I remember that day, and that was the day I was gonna show them that mm -hmm. yes, I don't want to be in a gang. 
I'm not sure for life uh-huh. and I can stand on my own. Uh-huh. So while they were talking and trying to intimidate me, I just ran into my house and mm-hmm. grabbed my gun. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I'm running and I saw everybody running left and right mm-hmm. and I was pointing my gun, mm-hmm. then and that's when the whole town started talking about me standing before these guys. Uh-huh. Then what followed that, I, I, I like to play soccer. Uh-huh. So I went to play soccer with a bunch of Spanish team. Uh-huh. But when I got there, uh, I was really good, mm-hmm. and that was my first time there. Mm-hmm. And then one of the Spanish team we were playing with, they were getting upset. Uh-huh. Maybe somebody kind of like bet money on yeah. us or mm-hmm. something, and they were really hurting me. Uh-huh. And at mm-hmm. that time, I didn't like people hurting me. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, so I I made a goal, and I fell. But I was getting up. One of those team walked past me. One of that that Spanish yeah. guy, yeah. and he hit me in my back. Mm-hmm. You know, and then. I said, no, nah, I would not let go. Everybody kept telling me, let that go. I said, no, I would not let that go because mm-hmm. there wasn't no game, mm-hmm. you know? So what I did, uh, <laughs> I walked to my car and I pulled out a baseball bat. Mm. And while he was standing with his friend talking about how he hit me, I could understand saying, because yeah. I kept hearing him, yeah. him saying, I got the little one because yeah. I was the youngest one in yeah. the team. And I just wa- walked right behind him with the baseball bat and hit him in the head. Boom. Wow. And then that's when everybody started running and his friend now, went to their car and they pull out manchetes. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, okay. Then I went into my car. Mm-hmm. Now, all I remember, I just grabbed my gun and started shooting at everybody. And people was running left and right, jumping fans. And I, I kept on shooting. I got in my car, I was still shooting. And then when I was leaving the door, I mean, the gate of the park, mm-hmm. as soon as I put the gun down under the seat, then I get off the, the gate, turn right, and I saw a bunch of car, you know, like police, police. car mm. coming up woo, 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 with siren and everything going into the park then and I left. And that what went down around the neighborhood because I was the first one who ever stood up in front of those Spanish guys. And then that's how I became Wow. Really how, how old are you? Yeah. I think by now I was about close to eighteen. Still up. Close child. to eighteen. Is it? And Eight. as we're listening to this, we're looking at him yeah. and He's had a whole series. He grew in a different neighborhood yeah. than we did. I mean, but then the and you've listened to him all week. Yes, and yes, the, yes. The difference, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. People go through a different stories. Different stories, and that's amazing. It's not amazing, but then it has shaped who you are. Yes, yes, yes. yes it's yes, it's yes, the total of sum of yes. who you've become. But again, listeners, as you're listening to this, it's not about celebrating these mm-hmm. experiences. Yes, we are yes. not endorsing these types no. of behaviors. We're just talking about, you know, what is it that gets us as yeah. human beings, as a young person, as a parent who has a young person listening to this podcast? Yeah. You know, what is it that drives you, will drive your children to this point or yeah. you as a, as a person? And again, as a two, the, the immigrant experience, because yes. you was an immigrant. We the all, immig- we are, most of us are immigrants and we raise kids who come. Yeah to this country as young people. And, and, and the perception of what you've been told before, yeah, it yeah. becomes a reality in life. Your mom, yes. she brought you to this country dreaming and hoping for the best. Yeah. What is going through her mind now when yeah. she's looking at this son and, and this son is wilding out? Like how was that experience in the family setting now that you're in, caught up in the middle of all this? Well, I at the beginning, I managed to... to kind of like hide it from her. Uh-huh. Although she was hearing things around town, mm-hmm. the day that she's going to begin to know who I was is one time she went into my room trying to 
fix my bed and she found a big old gun under mm -hmm. my pillow. Mm -hmm. And then, then when I came home and she was crying, she said, you know, I got you to this country. What are you doing? Are you in a gang? Are you a thief? Are you a robber? Why mm -hmm. would you need a gun? Mm -hmm. You know, so I try to explain to her it's for protection, but mm -hmm. she couldn't understand it. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is when I got I got arrested that we're going to go into and later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she really had to be involved because I was just a kid. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the things I, I and kind of encourage parents, mm -hmm. especially, I'm not saying just immigrant. Yes. I would say any parents. Yes. Mm -hmm. You need to know what your kids are doing. Mm -hmm. Because I was doing a lot. Mm -hmm. And and I I, I kind of hated for my family. Mm -hmm. You know, so when you see your kids, you know, showing certain behavior yeah you may not scream but you can talk to them trying mm -hmm. to find out because i wanted to talk to them i wanted to say what was going you know happening to me mm -hmm. but i was afraid so they don't be upset or she doesn't you know mm -hmm. beat me up or something like mm -hmm. that so i kind of like wow. hate everything so, so we need to 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 make sure you we do wanted that. to tell them you wanted yeah yeah i mean that's that's huge i, th I think kenan same story yeah is as a young person you want to express yourself yeah. to your parents yeah. but you don't know how yeah. Yeah. or you're calling for whatever fears that you have but parents are supposed we are supposed to be best buddies with our kids you know all that so they and find out the hard way and it breaks them even harder yeah. right and i think what he wanted was for them to ask yes or just yeah. ask what's going on do you, you know i found softly and you know so i think that's that's huge i think parents need to know that you ask if you ask they might the first time they will not probably answer yes. mm -hmm. but if you keep the consistency of asking yeah. it probably might come through them yeah. and they want it because kids want to share yeah. yeah and then again it's it's asking is not the problem it's the way we is the way we you understand yeah. there's way parents can approach their kid they will talk to you they may not tell you everything but you'll get enough to process what's going on mm -hmm. but when you make your kids so scared of you can't mm -hmm. tell you anything it's dangerous yeah it's very dangerous and you know as a immigrant or Haitian, we were raised to respect our elders and our parents. We could yeah. not even say anything to mm -hmm. them, mm -hmm. it, which is, I believe, it shouldn't be like that. No. If no. we if we need to go to someone, our parents should be the first one we are comfortable mm -hmm. on going to. So I, I would encourage any parents, you know, talk to your kids, find out what's going on in their lives, and maybe that would save them a lot of trouble. <laughs> we have not even moved an inch. So... You 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 you're talking to parents in this what what was happening in context of where you are yourself. What are some of the things that, when you look back, contributed to you having that type of relationship with your parents? Of course, you've mentioned how they ask, maybe how the parents ask. Was your was your mom always around? Family around? Were they working hard? Because sometimes parents know that they don't want to talk to us, but they're busy making a living for us. Right. That that time is not there. As an immigrant, what are some of the things that you think contributed to building that relationship? Um, that that the distance, not, yeah. not being able to talk to her. I think you nailed it when mm -hmm. you said working hard. Yes. Yes. Um. Uh. We. I understand parents need to work. They have to take care of the kids, but we have to understand too. They, they, the kids' future is, is in their hand, pretty mm -hmm. much. My mom had two jobs at the time, mm. so she was never home. Mm. So I was raising myself, mm. pretty much. So by the time I get off to go to school, she's already at the door. The same time I'm at the door. Mm. Then I get off from school, come home. She won't make it home till almost 
eight, nine o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And now, mind you, I came from school since like two something. Mm-hmm. I had a little part, part-time job, mm-hmm. you know, and I do like two hours, three hours, sometimes four hours. Mm-hmm. Then after that, I'm on my own and, mm-hmm. and I'm everywhere in, in the town. I'm doing what, you know, God knows what. Mm-hmm. And then she's nowhere to, to be found. And when she comes home, she would be so so much tired. Mm-hmm. She would just go and lay down mm-hmm. waiting for the next day, you mm-hmm. know? And now I'm pretty much raising myself, yeah. you know? Wow. Well, well I, I, I hear that the need for uh, companionship, the need yeah. for love, mm-hmm. you know, the need for attention to, from, from that. And it's... And, I, and our parents, they, they come here, they want to work. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's, but there's, there's, a need. there's a thin line where you can draw and see, okay, what is important? Is it my kids? Is it the job that I do? I, I think you know? an area where we have to get to in the future in this podcast is not just to call parents out, but yeah. to help to, them out. Yes, yes. To how to manage their time. Not, yeah. not that, you know, sometimes we work hard, yes. but at what expense? And sometimes we need to work hard because yes, you're sure, maybe yeah. the only sibling who's supporting your relatives back yeah. home or whatever it is. True. But what, how True. do we create that balance? True. Uh, because it's, it's, it's a repeated theme that yeah. we're hearing. Let's, let's keep going, Kenan. Yep. So hi, high school, so you, you know, 18, mm-hmm. you graduate from high school. How, was that? how does that phase now mm-hmm. transition? How does your life continue from there? Well, when I was 18, um, I became a really good DJ in town. Uh-huh. Uh, that's some because remember I told you I wanted to be famous yes, by okay. any means necessary. Mm-hmm. So I became a really good DJ. I would DJ for people you know who had no money. I would mm-hmm. show up with my gear because DJing alone was paying me. I was happy just doing it. Yes. So by by having the love to be you know uh, famous and be seen, mm-hmm. so I just kept judging around town mm-hmm. for parties, uh, you know, college, house party, mainly house party, a lot of house party. That's mm-hmm. where everybody shows up because everything is free. Yeah. And I, and then I got to learn, I got to know music because music was already in me. Yeah. So now I, I you know, by DJing, you need to know how to, you know, bring this next song without, mm-hmm. you know, messing up the flow. Yeah. So now I started knowing music really good. Mm-hmm. Then um, a, a, a friend of mine, kind of like a, a a cousin by marriage. Yeah. It was a very, very huge celebrity in Haiti. Uh-huh. So he happened to move to the state and then, and he saw me DJing. He was like, man, you, you really good. Why don't you come my DJ? Mm-hmm. I said, uh, okay. But then we started, you know, messing around playing, you know, I'm DJing. He's, he's doing his reggae thing. Then, then I knew I could sing and I looked at him doing it. I'm like, I can do this. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. this is easy. Mm-hmm. You know, I had all the skills. So one day I just, because when you DJing, I used to talk on the yeah, mic. The MC, like, also like MC. MC. Yeah. So one day I just put uh, an instrumental and then I just let it run and I was just freestyling on it. And mm-hmm. everybody thought it was an actual song because everybody had their hands up and, mm-hmm. you know, screaming. I was like, oh yeah, I got it. Mm-hmm. And then from there I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna be the biggest thing I hate you never seen, you know. Wow. Uh, there's a drive that I'm getting from you, and there's yeah. a there's a there's a mantra that you have is yes. whatever you do, you do it and you do it great. great. Yes. And that's a, that's one thing I think we need to pick up from yes. that is yes. when you decide to do something, do it great to the excellence. Remember, be excellent. Remember the, the the truth minute. The right? truth minute. Do right? it and do it good because yeah. God has given you that part, and that's mm-hmm. I want to commend you for that and yeah whether you're you're hitting people with butts you do no, it no, good no, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just saying, I'm, just, I'm, 
I'm just using the principle that you, whatever you did, yes. you you 100%. actually a hundred percent. Your heart was sold there. Let me say, yeah. And I think when there's people in prison who have committed crimes, yeah. but then they've refined the art of they've removed that the vice they had in them, yeah. and then they've refined the art of maybe if he was the guy was drug dealing. Yeah. He's a businessman, yes. you know. They've, so I think you can turn around whatever negative you have and do it, do it good. Yeah, be excellent at it. So that's the thing. That's the point you want. There's to get a, a transferable skills. Yes, skills uh, I'm you. glad you say that because one of the things that really got me going straight into music mm-hmm. is around that time I got locked up. Yeah, walk yeah. us through that. Yes. I know you've mentioned that. So what what happens until it, that ends up happening? Yeah, what happened is uh, it was this guy. Um, there was this girl that I used to mess with, uh-huh. right? Um, but we 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 done messing years ago yeah. but we still women friends because yeah. i remember i was popular yes. i was a dj i was the life of the party wherever i went people yeah. you know mm-hmm. want to be around me yeah. so i still women friends with with my ex-girls and you know and i, I you know i was popular uh, can can one buy that but anyway um this guy right he, he became her boyfriend and i think they were going into serious thing mm-hmm. but he found out how she used to love me. Mm-hmm. So he requested to stop talking to me uh-huh. and she refused. Mm-hmm. So that kind of triggered him and, and he thinks that there's something going on. Mm-hmm. So he called me to disrespect me, even though I told him, well, you know, there's nothing going on, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm, I'm straightforward. I would tell him if there was something mm-hmm. going on, but he called me and disrespect me and then disrespect my house, call my house. My mom picked up and everything. Then I said to myself, you know, I had to teach him a lesson. Mm-hmm. So I, I had two friends with me when that happened. And I told him, I'm going to this guy's house. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pistol whip him so he never done, never do that again. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and you should have seen the guy talking to me. Just a little guy. I was just a little guy, you know. <laughs> yeah. But remember, I wanted the whole town to know I'm the no, baddest yes. guy yeah. in town. So these things, although I was doing them, my heart, my heart was aching. Mm-hmm. You know, but I had to do them to maintain that yeah. position. So you are so, defending yourself with a yeah. perception that you are told when you came here. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that's not really who I was. Because yeah. every time I, I do that, I do those kind of things, they hurt me a lot and mm. I can't sleep at night, mm. you know? So so my friend said, they knew I could have done it myself. They said they wanted to come with me. Mm. And I said, I don't need you guys. And they said, yeah, we're coming. And I said, okay. And then at that time I had a, a, a Chevy celebrity car with tinted window and system <laughs> blasting. So we got in the car and at the time I think um, we had a couple girls with us. Uh, and then we went to, to the house and I told them, listen, I'm just gonna knock at the door. If he's don't open the door, the first thing I'm gonna do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna snuff him, I'm gonna hit him on his face. But remember, I'm doing all that just to make sure those two guys with me know I'm the baddest guy yeah. to go tell around town. Yeah. So I knocked. He opened the door. Sure enough, I just hit him. Then when he kind of fell back, we bum washed the house. So we start, um, you know, jumping him and stuff like that. And then um, I heard somebody coming down the stairs screaming, "Oh, you know, call the police! Call the police!" And then I had my gun on me, mm-hmm. and one of my friend, you know, took the gun, the gun from my waist and put it on his head. Mm-hmm. And I was standing there. I'm looking at my friend holding the gun and 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 he you know, on his head. And we both standing on each side. And the friend that holding the gun is was a friend who wanted to prove to me he's mm-hmm. bad to mm-hmm. war with me. Mm-hmm. So I know he could shoot, you know, he could have shoot that guy, but me I didn't come here to kill to anybody. Kill you know, right there and I and I was so upset and I kept telling him to put the gun down, but he kept asking me, Jude, let me shoot him. Let me shoot him. 
and and I feel like he was about to. Then I remember the last thing I said to him, I said, if you shoot him, I will shoot you. Mm. You know? And when I said that, he kind of looked at me and then gave up and gave me back the gun. Thank you. You know? Wow. And then and we left. You know, we break a lot of stuff in the house. And I told him, never disrespect me like that again. And don't call my phone. Don't call my house. And I left. And then we went to drop the girls. And then some, some, for some reason, I felt like I had to drop off the girls. So... I went to drop the girls, but when I was leaving, when I was leaving, you know, by my house, I saw a bunch of cops car kind of hide in docks, you know, spots, spots mm -hmm. and, you know, gas station. But I didn't pay no mind because I know they didn't know what I just done. Mm -hmm. So when I made the right turn in front of my house and I saw one police car kind of like make that left behind me with, you know, his light, headlight, everything yeah. off. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. Then the next thing I know, I, I think I drove for like two more minutes and all I hear was helicopter tuk, 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 and the spotlight on me, cars coming in every direction. They actually stopped me in an intersection where there was cops car coming in all intersections and I was in the middle and I was like, oh. But the good thing is before I dropped the girls and I told the guys, let me stop home and then put the gun away. So I put the gun away, and when I left my house, I left my house around the corner at that gas station where those gang hanging out. That's where the cop turned behind me. So when they came, they kept saying, where's the gun? Where's the gun? I kept saying, what gun? And they said, yeah, and they took the girls out, put them on the side, and they took me and my friend. It was just two of us. When the other one went home. So now they put me, they didn't even open the door. They dragged me from the window. The window. Right, because all I remember, they came and asked me for my ID, and I gave them my my ID, and the cop said, "Yes, that's him. That's the only thing I heard." Then they put their hand on my chest and they grabbed me. I was a small guy. Mm. They pulled me out the window and put me on the on the hood of the car, and they kicking my feet really hard to spread my legs open so they can search me. And they kept saying, "Where's the gun? Where's the gun?" I kept playing off saying, "What gun? What gun?" They took everything apart in my car. They took the chair apart. They were searching and everything but they didn't find a gun but that's when i got locked up because the guy and, the, and his family had already called the cops and give my description and everything and then um the next thing i know i, I was in weaverhead a, a jail called weaverhead you know wow and how this was uh what, how old were you at this time 18 18 so you're legal yeah yeah this is when your mom finds out she used to hear thing, but that's when she really find out because she was coming to the court crying and mm -hmm. they were saying that they would give me seven years in jail and get deportation to back to Haiti. A lot of things was happening. My bail was $25,000 bail and my mom was going around and asked people to lend her money to bail me out. People said, nah, I would never give my money for this guy because they heard too much about me around yeah. town. So I wasn't worth the money. money. So, and this was your first encounter with the with the law, law enforcement. Going to jail, going yeah. To jail. I got I got uh, put into precincts and 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 pulled over and handcuffed, but that was going to jail. Hmm. Yeah. I don't want to jump the gun, but was this your the turning point for you? Or yeah, while I was in jail, how long were you there? Uh almost two weeks. Okay, almost two weeks, and they were talking about um because the jail that I was at it's already a jail, yeah. so you can be in there for two years. Mm -hmm then you get transferred to a state prison. Mm. And then after one week, going up to two weeks, no one, like I was very popular, I had a lot of friends, 
No one, not even a soul, my brother, came to visit me. Mm. And when I called Colette, my house, my mom is crying, couldn't even talk to me. And when my brother picked up the phone, he was like, yeah, man, I was hanging out with the guys and they were making jokes about you. Like, I was in jail. The people that were with me, supposed mm. to be my best friend, they were the one cracking jokes mm. about me, you know, because they really thought I was going to get seven years and get deported, you know. Mm. And then uh, while I was sitting in there, I heard this voice, you know. I heard this voice. This voice said uh, in my head, I'm not going to leave you in here. Mm. I'm just teaching you a lesson. Okay, mm. it's right. You know? it's, we, we can pass that. that no, 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 no. We cannot. That is, I mean, we are, we're just getting, we're getting started. I mean, it's funny with this podcast. You know, I'm we're, just, I'm just, I'm just thinking a lot, there's a a lot, lot of things to do. <laughs> you know, oh, a voice. Um, we don't um, miss that. There was so a voice. There's a voice. Yeah. Let's mark that. I think that's yeah. a very critical point because yeah. I think, remember his whole story? Yeah. There's a voice. There's remember, a time, everybody yeah. we've there's talked something. to there's a voice. Yeah. For some yeah. reason, people come to, the, they hear voices. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and though there's some turning voices. Yeah. So the, the voice tells you, I'm teaching you a lesson. Yeah, very softly. And and then I could feel that that, that was somebody who cares. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never felt anybody cares for me that, that way. Mm. And the, I was sitting there after we ate and I was alone because we were in the 23 hours lockdown and you mm. get one hour to go out. And the voice said, you know, I'm not going to leave you in here. Mm-hmm. I'm just teaching you a lesson, mm-hmm. you know. And I sat there and I started thinking to myself, well, I can do music really well. And deep down in my heart, I don't want to be in jail. I don't want to be hurting anybody, mm-hmm. you know. And I said, you know what? When I get out, I'm going to concentrate on my music. Mm-hmm. And I would stop hanging out with all my friends, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just going to concentrate on in, in music. Mm-hmm. And then that's exactly what happened when I got out. All right. Let's pause there. Final thoughts as we wrap up this part one. I, I hate to do I, this, I but don't we believe would, you are wrapping up. <laughs> we gotta wrap we up. Just have to wrap up. <laughs> just wrap up, and then because we want to get into the, the next part of this is, you I, get I, I, know, I know a lot of people will scream at us for this, it, but it, we want to we want to get the best. That's why it's a podcast. That's why it's a podcast. So <laughs> and no, we've he's he's high. He's come to he's come to the states. You know, he's he's not getting back. He's <laughs> NFL neutral for life. But there's a pool. He's the best at what he does. And now he's got into an encounter. He's in jail. Yes. And that's the turning point. Is it fair enough to yes. get final thoughts I from think, there? I think let's get final thoughts. Yeah. Uh, up to this stage of life, I, I think for me, what I can take from these as we dive into the next uh, episode next week is one thing that I am picking is there is a perception that was created before he even moved into this country. Correct. And that perception is that you can let these people bully you. You can't let these people. So everything he's doing at this point is not necessarily what he wants to do, but it's because there is a voice, a seed that was planted and he will do anything and everything to make sure that that seed doesn't germinate, yeah. that he's being bullied. And I think true to life, anyone who's listening to this podcast, you know, there is perception, there's a reality. Yeah. You know, there are things that have been said, positive or negative. You have to pull back and ask yourself, are you reacting in the things they're doing? Are they genuinely who you are and what you want to do? Or is it because somebody said something that has shaped you who you are and what kind of shaping uh, that is? Mm-hmm. Something for you to ponder about. That's what right. I'm, I'm taking away. Um, and before he gives us his final, so I want to also want to say that, I mean, there's... um. 
I'm getting a sense of uh, he needed he's had this perception he knows what he's coming to expect in the states mm-hmm. so he wants to protect himself mm-hmm. so he gets it he gets a gun mm-hmm. you know gets a baseball bat yes. but when he goes into jail mm-hmm. there's someone that is there's a voice that is telling you yes. and that's the ultimate protection we all yes. want mm-hmm. is you know you can hide behind guns behind gangs mm-hmm. behind music behind mm-hmm. but there's a there's a protector mm-hmm. that really really and that's what I, that's what i can yeah that's mm-hmm. what i can tell from so awesome. jude give us your final thoughts as we uh, wrap up part one. you know it's hard to ask you to give a final <laughs> thoughts and the story is getting started, getting started. <laughs> but I just know. for any listener final out, thoughts for, for this, any listener yeah. not just, a listener yeah. out there mm-hmm. anybody who's listening you know what would you tell them on this phase of what you shared with yes. us to a parent to a young person what, what would you say well i would say yeah it, it's it's easy to to want to be somebody mm-hmm. But you don't want to put a fa- uh, like a facade that you want to be someone. You got to be real to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to prove anybody anything. Mm-hmm. You know, by proving somebody else, you're not living for yourself. Mm-hmm. You must remember that um showing off will never pays off. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And then that to me that was a showing off, you know. Just be real, you know, don't think about what people think about you. Because what people eat don't make you fat. Mm. So if what people eat don't make you fat, you know. <laughs> that's, that's, that's good. That's yeah, I told you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? right. So, so you know, to conclude, if what people eat don't make you fat, so whatever they say shouldn't be, you know, hurting you because yeah. people are entitled of their opinion. You yeah. understand? Mm. So just be true to yourself and then um, make sure you take care of yourself. Awesome. You know? Hey, our listeners, I'm sure that you're just wondering why we are wrapping up. So are we wondering too, but uh, we just want to uh, let you know that we're just getting started. This is part one. If you missed the previous episodes, uh, please go back and catch up and make sure you subscribe and like whatever platform you have because when the next part two goes up of Jude, you don't want to miss where the story goes from yeah. here. And speaking of sub- subscribe, subscribe, follow us on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Because yes. we, we we want to see if we can make this visual. Exactly. So you can see. But I'm you not know, sure if you're ready for that. <laughs> but we're working on that. We're working on that. Because I think someone said, you know, you guys have so much fun there you have. We want to see your reactions, yes. your faces. So we we have camera shy, but we're yeah. working on it. But the, yeah. the point is, keep listening, keep supporting. That's yeah. the main point. So as we wind up, Kenan. Yes. We have something coming up. For sure. Yep. We don't want to miss that. Uh, Tuesday, uh, I think it's the 10th, if I'm not wrong. Uh, yeah, Tuesday the 10th. The yes. Tuesday the 10th. We have a, a special, small, intimate career fair that has been put out for someone who wants to get a mentor in their careers, somebody who wants to know uh, you know, their path in terms of careers. Some young people in the community of thrown something out there. Uh, it's going to be from 5 to 8 p.m. at uh, Champlain Hennepin uh, Library. We right. have some uh, professionals who come there and share their parts in, ca- in career. Please come, sign up, uh, go to our website. More information will be there. Yep. And um, join, join, join. join. It's, let's, let's it's, come not, it's not going to be death by PowerPoint. It's not going to be a presentation. No, no. It's, we'll, we'll make it's a networking it session. It's very a, intimate, exactly. very, very, very personal. Exactly. You know, so, you know, exactly. you can come and ask very personal questions, exactly. very directed questions to the, the people that will be. We have uh, former guys from, you know, Wells Fargo VPs and whatnot pulling in their friends to come and just talk to you as a young person who's trying to find your path in your career. Uh, come, let's share together network. They say your network is your, is net, your worth. net worth. All right. All right. That is it. We will hear you in the next one. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Amazing Truth Podcast. 
We hope you were blessed as you listened. Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. God bless you and see you on the next one.